Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Race with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. We have a great show lined up for you here today. Two special guests on the line and part one of a two-part 2023 New Summer Speedway recap coming up for you today. Um, we have Dylan LeBeau, who will be calling in here in a little bit, and one of our quarter midget kids, Corbin Merrill is going to call in as well as right after Christmas, we're going to have the little 500 at the little new Smyrna Speedway. So we're going to learn a little bit about one of our racers who will be competing in four different classes out there. And like I said, we're going to get into part one of the 2023 new Smyrna Speedway season review. And what I've done is put all 12 divisions in a bowl on a piece of paper, and we're going to draw from the bowl and whichever class we pick out is what we're going to talk about. So the first the first segment, we're going to have some interviews, and then we'll get into the recap in the second and third segment of the show. I think you guys are going to enjoy this, give you something uh, fun to reminisce about during the Christmas holiday leading into the New Year's holiday. So two back-to-back shows featuring the 2023 New Smyrna Speedway recap, part one this week, part two next week, and some great driver interviews to accompany the shows. Um as far as news or anything like that, uh, things are coming along pretty well. World Series is moving along. Uh, the parking procedures, things like that, are starting to trickle out. Daily schedules are close at this point to coming out. So um, next, first show after the new year, we'll have a whole lot more information on World Series and Red Eye, and we'll really beef up the promotion on those events. But for now, I think you guys will enjoy a look back at 2023, the good, the bad, and everything in between with each division getting recapped here on the show. But uh, before we do that, like I said, we do have a couple of special guests today, and we'll go ahead and hear from our first one, Mr. Dylan LeBeau. All right, everybody, on the Racing with Ryan podcast hotline today, we have a very special guest with us, driver of the, let me see if I get all this right, driver of the 16 Pro Truck, the 75 E-Mod, and the 88 Sportsman, we welcome, oh wait, and the 47 Pro Late Model, we welcome in Dylan LeBeau. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Did, did I get all those? Uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. I'm just making sure because I, I forgot to write it all down. So um, <laughs> Dylan has been quite busy behind the wheel here the last couple of years over at New Smyrna. Of course, the LeBeau family has been racing on the high banks for many, many years, and it's been a lot of fun getting to watch uh, Dylan progress through the ranks here. And really, uh, if I don't say so myself, he's come on quite quickly. Uh, two consecutive EMOD championships and a lot of success. So um, it's been a good start to your racing career, Dylan. Um, you know, I know your family's been in, into the racing deal for a long time, but what got you into it? What made you want to follow in dad's footsteps? Well, obviously, when your dad drives a race car, you definitely got the coolest dad in school. You right. know, everybody's talking about their dad going on business. It's like, yeah, well, I'm going to the races with my dad this weekend. So that was always kind of had some cool factor to it. And just growing up, it never really worked out for me to get into, like, go-karts or quarter midgets or anything like that. And when I turned 15, it was right around, right before COVID started and iRacing started to get really big. I started doing it, and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, hey, I want to race to my dad. He said, okay, cool. Well, I'm not just going to throw you in a car. So he made me work for it. I, I worked all summer cutting grass, found a pro truck for a, a very good deal and that's how my racing started nice yeah a lot of people you know they start racing the go-karts or the quarter midgets and it's funny you see these 13 14 year old kids start racing and you think wow they're starting early but they've been driving for you know 
10 years or whatever. So you got the hankering for it uh, through video games, which uh, seems to be common these days. Um, So I'll ask you, how similar is racing a a track like New Smyrna on iRacing compared to the real thing? Well, actually, I've gotten worse at video game racing since I've started driving a race car because on the video game, it's pretty much dead on minus the G-Force. And my dad, when I started racing, he was really big on me for lack of a better term, drive the car with my butt. And when you're doing a video game, you lose that sensation. So it kind of makes it difficult to, you know, get a, get a grasp on what the car is doing as in comparison to real life. So so in one extent, it's almost harder to, you know, be really good at a game like iRacing. See, I'm not a race car driver, obviously, um, but I've never been able to get a hold of those simulation racing games because anytime I try, like I literally can't get the car to go straight. Like, I know how to drive a car going 50 mile an hour down a straight road, but I can't do it in a video game. So I can kind of relate to that, even though I, I don't race. I, I feel like I, I feel like that would just screw me up. So um, it's good that you've transitioned over to the real thing and uh, you've done quite well. So you started in the pro trucks and up until about the end of this year, you've still been racing pro trucks, but you had the opportunity to hop into a modified and uh I feel like that's kind of your bread and butter right now is is those modifieds, whether it's been the the family car or or Bobby's car, you've excelled in in both. So, are modifieds kind of is that what you were looking to get into, or is that just what's fit the feel for Dylan LeBeau? It's kind of worked out. I always thought modifieds were really cool. My dad raced modifieds a lot. That's what he kind of uh, started racing mostly, and um, so I've always liked the modifieds. They're cool looking cars, mm-hmm. and when I got into it, it's just there's a different sensation that you get than, than driving a car with fenders. And, and one thing that Bobby really stresses, like um, he's been helping us with the truck here recently is the motor doesn't sit on the cross member in a modified. So you kind of get this twitchy sensation. So it, it makes it, some people might think it's more difficult. I find it fits my driving style better because I'm able to, to plant the car more. Where I want it. So it kind of worked out just, it's what was available for me to drive. And, and I, I took to it, fairly quickly and and now it's kind of what i've adapted my driving style towards and then you've had some opportunity this year to drive the sportsman and you even got to drive a prolate model during the prelude to the governor's cup which probably had to be one of the biggest moments of your career to this point yeah it was definitely pretty cool i remember my, my first chance to hop into a late model we were uh, out testing with the clements family and uh, Pete, his dad, you know, he gave me the opportunity. He said, "Hey, if you want to drive it, take it for a couple laps." And and that was pretty huge to to finally jump into a late model. It's it's definitely a whole different ball game compared to what we've been doing with the truck and the modifieds. And you know, at that point, I was kind of I got to test the late model and uh, coming up to the prelude to the cup. Uh, Timothy Bagnell and, and Derek Ames got together and they wanted me to drive his pro late model for the race and. And I don't think we excelled, but we we definitely held our own for what we had. There was there's some changes coming up we're going to make and try to get everything better. But you know, for to go out there and qualified eighth, I think, and and we're making we were making decent progress. Like I didn't drop back right away, so you know, it wasn't I wasn't the happiest about it, but it definitely didn't it didn't go home holding my head down. Really, I, I knew we we were respectable and and you know, we were, we weren't horrible. 
No, definitely not. And that's that's not an easy class to just jump into and go to the top of the board. You know, those those cars are so technical these days. And a lot of the people that, that come out for those bigger races, they've been doing it for so long. And, you know, um, for you to, to jump in there for the first time, like I said, you held your own. And, uh, you, you know, you, you might not have finished the race, but the car's still in one piece. And I'm, I'm hoping there will be more opportunities for you. And really, you got to go get your feet wet. And that's that's the the first step. And a lot of people don't even get that opportunity. So in my book, that's a, that's a win. And it's just been really cool to see you have so many different opportunities and so many different things. That way you can really kind of get the sense of, of what you really like. So I want to, uh, I want to rewind a little bit and uh, talk about your success in the EMOD. You're a two-time defending EMOD champion over at New Smyrna. Tough track for most people to race at, but you've taken to it like glue. Obviously, your dad's raced there for years. He can give you all the tips, all the pointers, uh, but you still got to go out there, hit your marks, get the job done, and you've done it two years in a row. Um, obviously, this year, there was some uh, some trials and tribulations back in uh, back in January. You know, the exhibition uh, red-eye race that everybody likes to, to come out and race for the first time of the season, even though we've only been off for a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, you got uh, caught up in an incident there and um, had to go back to work on the 75. So you started the season in the 16. And I remember, you know, you had some good runs early in the season as the class was kind of rebuilding from the turmoil in January. Uh, but I, I'll never forget, I think you finished third and I came over to interview you. And I don't think I've ever seen you frustrated. Uh, but I remember you saying, I'm so ready to get back in the 75. So with everything that happened um, in, in 2023, how tough mentally was it to hold yourself together to get through that season? It was difficult. It really was. Um, you know, in January, we, we had the, the incident in the, in the EMOD, and then I wanted to go race Speed Week so bad, and then I go out and spin out in front of the field Speed Weeks and um, in the truck. And uh, turns out we had a, a part fail in the truck. It wasn't just me sucking, but I, I really thought it was it was me at, at a point. And it was just super super frustrating. But you know, my dad he he kind of taught me how he taught me from his mistakes, and, and it's helped me a lot. I've definitely still made my fair share of mistakes, but he you know he he taught me to just never quit. And you can do anything if you put your mind to it. So you know, I got in the sixteen and. And was, you know, putting a lot of effort towards it, but also at the meantime, still trying to build Bobby's car back because, you know, we don't have a full race shop and team like a lot of these other guys got. Really, it was me and Bobby that put that car back together. And, uh, of course, we had the help from a lot of our, our close friends. Mark Bell is, is one that sticks out to me. And um, so, you know, I'm trying to race this division while still rebuilding another car. And it was it was tough, but we had a couple good runs with with biscuit you know we, we didn't win a race well i did win a race I, I definitely wasn't the fastest car but was was able to stay in it and, and win a race and but then after that it kind of just went downhill and and we were we were good we were never great but we were always able to hold our own and it was just frustrating knowing that that at one point i had one of if not the fastest emods in the division and and for it to go south like that and then go to running third and fourth and fifth. And it was definitely when we got back in the 75 and was able to go out and win the race, it definitely, it was just like a big sigh of relief crossing the checkered flag that race. And that was definitely the most rewarding win I've ever gotten in my career. That one definitely 
like I said, just a big sigh of relief, especially with how it how it went down coming from the back, having you know fuel problems as soon as we got there, and really nothing this season has been easy for us. And to come out and get another another EMA championship definitely means a lot to me. It, it I'm sure it means a lot to Bobby, and and Bobby's taking me under his wing, and he's taught me most everything I know about driving a race car. My dad has really taught me a lot of the the hardships and the, the mental battles but bobby's taught me a lot on how to be one with the car and, and and drive it to to the car's potential so it's just as much of their championship as it is mine yeah i mean two really great people to help you with with two aspects of the game and i, I think a lot of people think oh you just get in the car and you go but th- that mental aspect is is part of it if you get down on yourself if you think you're the problem behind the wheel like you were thinking at speed weeks then you know, that can weigh on you. So to have, you know, uh, Bobby coaching you, doing the car stuff, and your dad kind of keeping your head up, keeping you positive, which he's very good at doing, um, all of that helps. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of like your season went full circle. It started off rough and then came together. And I think you got in the 75 car uh, right, around, right about the best time you could because the division really picked back up towards the end of the year. It was kind of uh, a slow grow at the beginning as everybody was getting their cars back together. But, man, we have some competitive cars in that class now. I mean, between yourself, Jared Corpy, um, Jeffrey White at the beginning of the year when he was coming out, Hank Baker was good this year, um, you know, Art Koonsman, you can't ever sleep on him. And then now you've got a couple of rookies, a couple of young guys like Eugene Tuminello and Dylan Williams that you got to worry about. You've got four or five guy- guys now that you have to deal with on a weekly basis. So, like I said, I think you got back in that car just the the right point of the time, the right point of time in the season to uh, remain competitive. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it came perfect just to you know get points when I needed them, and it, and going into the last race of the season, I didn't even expect that race. We could have could have just showed up and, and took our trophy home, but you know I wanted to race in it. Uh, I believe we finished third in that race, but like you said, there's a lot of good cars now. It used to kind of be you know. It was going to be one of two cars that were going to win the race, but now we got you know five or six that can win it at any at any given night. So it's definitely good for the division. I, I you know we've got to step our game up because everybody else is stepping their game up. So it's keeping us honest and it's keeping us working. That's that's one part of racing that I really enjoy. I enjoy being in the shop, working on the cars, finding speed, and it's really relieving when you do find something and it and it works in your favor. So it's definitely, I've enjoyed it, and I'm sure you know. I know you're a racer. You want to go out there and win every single race, every single time you're at the racetrack. I mean, you got three wins on the regular season this year, so that's more than anybody in the class. Um, but it, it's got to be good to have a good competitive field so that when you get those wins, it really feels special. Um, you know, I know nothing's going to beat the first win. Nothing's going to beat, you know, seeing your girlfriend win earlier this year. But um, it's got to feel good to go out there and beat a strong field of cars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every win's rewarding, but when you when you really work for them and, and things work out, it definitely feels a lot better. So would you say that even though you've experienced some ups and downs this year, would you say this year was better than last year? Or how, how do you rank your seasons? This season has definitely been one of the best. I feel like if we have gotten to race more last year, it yeah. last year would have topped this. But, like, it kind of helps that, you know, I was able to win the championship this year because, you know, people could say what they want. You know, last year we only ran four races, but everybody else had the same opportunity to run the same four races I did. And we just happened to come out on top. But this year uh, I was checking my stats. I ran close to 20 races this year. And and 
you know, for still being in school at the time and, and working and working on the car, that, that's a lot. That's, that's that is. filling up a lot of my time and, and, but I wouldn't change it for anything. And, you know, I hope to run more races this coming season. So, you know, but to go back to your question, just kind of, I feel like this season was one of my best seasons as a driver. I've definitely, you know, sometimes things just click and I've definitely had a lot of those click moments this year. Um, behind the wheel and not behind the wheel so but yeah this year has definitely been the best yeah and like you said uh you know i kind of forgot the last year was kind of cut short by the weather and it seemed like the emods got rained out every other dang week so yeah you're right you did get to do a lot more racing plus you added a couple of different classes i mean you got to debut the sportsman got to debut the prolate um i know we talked a lot about the emod but out of those four divisions which one has been your favorite to this point Definitely the prolate model, just the speed and, and 10 inch tires make you feel like you're a hero. It makes you feel like you can drive the car way harder. You know, so when you get into an E-Mod compared to like a pro truck, it's faster, but you really can't drive harder because of the lack of grip where with the prolate, the grip is just, it's just insane compared to what you're used to driving on an eight inch tire. So definitely the prolate model. And I hope to maybe this year hop into a super. So if anyone's listening, got a super, they need a driver. I, I got a helmet and a fire suit. Well, that would be something else. I mean, talk about talk about conquering the ladder once you get to that point. Um, another question I like to ask, kind of along the same lines, if you could choose anything to race, and let's let's keep it at, at New Smyrna, your home track, any kind of car around New Smyrna, what would it be? Absolutely a super late. Super late. Well, maybe a tour mod. It, it depends mm. on the time of year. If it's February, I'd say a tour mod. See, a lot of people go to the superlates, but you you remember the the tour mods come down, and those things are a whole different animal, man. That's what makes the World Series so special. You get great superlate model racing, great prolate racing, but then the tour mods they show up and they they like steal the show. So I, I think that would be you want to talk about grip. Those things have some grip. Yeah, maybe one of these years, man. The the tour mods they always put on a hell of a show. Um, I mean, you know how to drive a modified, so all, all we got to do is get you some really wide tires and a little bit more horsepower. You'll be good to go. Yeah, there you go. So if anybody's listening to this with a tour mod coming down, if you need a driver, Dylan, yeah, Dylan I, I will do it. Yeah, I know the track pretty well. Yeah, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And, um, you know, a, a lot of people may not know this about you, but you actually uh, get to go hang out at Daytona from time to time. What do you do over there? So I work for the NASCAR Racing Experience. I'm a, I'm a driver and and recently i've became a mechanic over there and um actually it's pretty funny uh the 63 emod dale howard i work with his brother doug uh oh, nice. throughout the week so it was pretty funny uh jim jones posted a picture and and it looks like i'm getting underneath dale's quarter panel i'm picking his quarter panel mm. up a little bit and there was a lot of riffraff that i was driving him dirty but it's funny when i got out of the car he didn't even he didn't even know i hit him so so me and doug like to joke around about that a lot when that picture comes up about how i was roughing dale up Man, but, um, I'm, I'm telling you, I used that picture to hype up the Emod 50 on the News Morning Facebook, and the things that were stirring people up, I'm just like, man, you, people like to talk, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a group of people that doesn't like me, but, you know... Hey, when you're successful, it, that's going to happen, man. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you don't got haters, you're not doing anything right. That's so right. It, it definitely, it, pretty funny when when you work with the guy and he doesn't, he didn't even know I was hitting him, but... um. <laughs> So back on back on what we were saying, um, I, I work for the NASCAR Racing Experience. We give rides and NASCAR stock cars. You know, you can um, either get a ride or, or drive the cars. I do the instructing also. 
and we get we do speeds upwards of 150 and so i definitely got a lot of laps around daytona too um we kind of joke around about it you know one day of work we run more than 500 miles so wow. i probably got more laps around that track than than most nascar drivers do so um and we gotta get you a 500 ride come on yeah there you go but um yeah it's awesome i love it we get to travel too i've I've gotten to drive Atlanta, Talladega, Homestead. Gotten to do some of those tracks in Indy cars also. That was that was a pretty cool experience. Um, definitely staying in a car has helped me a ton this year as well because, you know, before I was in school and I can only really do it on the weekends that I wasn't racing. Where now, it's my job, so I'm I'm doing it all the time, and I'm I'm in a car. You know, I I feel uncomfortable when I'm driving on the street and I'm not in a five point harness with my Hans on. Because I'm just so used to that because the amount of time that I get to spend in a race car. So it's fun, and and I see it as an advantage as, you know, I'm used to going fast now. That's the way it should be, man. Uh, You know, it's funny. um, When I first started working there, um, my my first year, I hadn't gotten to know everybody yet, and I had no idea that your your dad did the the driving experience at Daytona. I I had a chance for my birthday to go do the ride-along thing. And, you know, I posted a couple of pictures, went and did that, then I went over to – to, to work at the track and I posted a picture on Facebook and your dad was like, he commented on it. He goes, I was right there. I had no idea. And I'm like, I had no idea either. So it's funny how things like that will, will happen when you don't even know. So if you go do the ride along at, at Daytona, you might get Dylan showing you how to get around yeah. the high banks. That'd be it pretty cool. Pretty cool. There's, um, I'll send it to you. Uh, there's a picture of, um, I gave someone a ride and you know, uh, you, you always get the question, are you a real race car driver? And, and, I tell him, and I had when I was racing that night actually. So I told her, "Hey, I'm racing tonight. If you're if you're local, come on out." And the lady came out, and I ended up winning. So she's in our victory lane picture. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, you, I meet tons of cool people all the time, and like I, you meet you'll meet crew chiefs, and, and you know we're out there speed weeks. So you know you're out there, and then you'll just see cup guys walking around, and yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. You you never know during February who might be watching you. You know you know. Yep. You might catch the eye of somebody very important. You just never know. Yeah. So speaking of what's coming up here, 2024 around the corner, what are your plans for this season? Race as much as possible. So we're going to be uh, – we've just recently hung a new body on, on Rick Rick Harris's Sportsman, so it's not quite so beefy anymore. We haven't given it a, a complete rename, but I really like the name Slim Jim. Slim Jim, all right. Uh, we're going to be racing the sportsman coming up red eye obviously the e-mod of course uh, on the 20th um trucks sportsmen's e-mods and you know tim and derek are giving me the opportunity to run run the full point season the six pack in the prolate model so that definitely looking forward to that getting some more laps laps behind me in a prolate and just just staying in a car i'll, I'll drive anything if it's got four wheels and a steering wheel i'm willing to drive it so fantastic so it sounds yeah. like if there's one of those divisions racing, you're pretty much going to be there unless, you know, I mean, stuff stuff comes up, stuff happens. Yeah. You you might do family stuff from time to time, which, listen, as, as a dad now, I totally understand. But uh, yeah. if, uh, if if there's a race with, with sportsmen or prolates, e-mods, uh, the occasional trucks, it, pretty much count on seeing Dylan there. So that, yeah, that's going to be a big, pretty big chance of being there. That, that's pretty exciting, man. I, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm glad to see that you wanted to do this and then you got into it and you've enjoyed it. And now it's what you want to do. You know, uh, some people get into it and they find out it's not for them. So I'm glad it's the other way around for you. 
Yeah, definitely. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's taken over my life pretty quickly, but I'm not upset about it at all. Heck no, man. It's listen, it's consumed my life since I started working at the racetrack and you know, I really wouldn't have it any other way. I've loved racing since a kid and I'm glad this is the way I get to be a part of it. So, um, I can completely relate and, uh, it's been, it's been great watching you, man. You, you've come a long way in a short amount of time and I'm glad to see all these opportunities for you and, uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, getting down there to talk to you in victory lane. I know, I know we'll talk quite a few times here this coming season and I'm looking forward to it. Um, before we let you go here, I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, give a shout out to all your sponsors or anybody that's uh, helped you out along the way yeah there's a ton of people i'm not gonna be able to name them all but i'll, I'll hit the sponsors just recently with the prolate model all aboard storage canes electric um coleman good moat um and uh, of course the moose lodges came back on this year west Palooza moose lodge and moose riders prouder radiator reese's auto electric daytona state jewelry of course they've been a sponsor since my first race ever so really just I wouldn't be able to do it without those guys. Cannot thank them enough and uh can't thank Deuce Murray Speedway enough. They've always been good to me and always you know, it's awesome having a place to race. A lot of people will complain about it and, and say this and that, but but you know, I'd rather have a place to race than, than no place at all. So it's twenty minutes down the road from our house. We cannot complain about that. You know, when you need a part you can run home and get it. And yeah, I love it. Wouldn't change it for the world. That's the way it should be, man. And some people may not uh, know this, but you have a podcast that you do as well. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a subscriber. I listen every week. Let everybody know where else they can uh, they can hear you there. So on the podcast, it's Fast Times Lebo Racing Podcast. We're on all the all the podcast platforms: YouTube, uh, Spotify, whatever, whatever you listen to a po- podcast on. It's probably on there. And if it's not, let us know. We'll we'll try to get it on there. And, um, I have my social medias. I need, I need to start bumping that a little bit more. Yeah, get my that out there too. Uh, Dylan LeBeau 16. My Facebook's Dylan LeBeau Racing. Yeah, check me out. There you go. Follow along with the adventures. All right, Dylan, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, definitely wish you good luck in 2024. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, that is Dylan LeBeau, driver of many, many things at New Smyrna and going to be going for that Prolate Championship probably get rookie of the year for sure it's gonna be fun to watch uh but hey if there's an emod race sportsman pro later truck race count on seeing him there and uh we'll see how he does all right everybody on the race with ryan podcast hotline we have another very special guest joining us today he's been tearing up the little new smyrna speedway the last couple of months and uh, we have corbin merrill on the line with us corbin how you doing buddy good good you've had a uh very good season over there at Little New Smyrna. You've been one of the fastest cars out there the last couple of weeks. That's got to make you feel pretty good, huh? Yeah. So you guys are getting prepared for probably one of the biggest races of the year, the Little 500, correct? Yes. So let's go ahead and rewind just a little bit. What got you into wanting to race? Um, tried different sports and I felt like racing was a good sport for me. Did you go to races when you were little or even littler than you are now? Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up, you kind of grew up around racing and then you were able to, to start racing the quarter midges, correct? Yeah. And how old are you now? I'm 11. 11. And how long have you been doing this? Since 2019. Since 2019. Okay. So in 
a short period of time, really, just a couple of years, uh, you've gotten the hang of it. And uh, like I was saying, uh, you've been one of the fastest cars out there. Uh, tell us uh, what kind of cars you drive. What divisions do you race in? Um, I I drive the Bullet chassis, and um, I uh, am in Heavy Honda, Heavy One Hundred and Sixty, Unrestricted Animal, and Heavy Honda. And which one of those is your favorite to race right now? Um, I'd say the Heavy World. Heavy World, and why is that? Um, it just has so much horsepower, and it's really fun to drive. So you like going fast? Yes. That's a good answer. That's that's usually the answer I get. I ask a lot of people I interview, you know, what kind of car would you like to drive if you could drive anything? And they always pick the fastest one. So you're, you're on track there. Um, so obviously, I know that your season was pretty good. I watched you every time you were out there. But uh, tell everybody that's uh, listening to this, how many wins did you get this year? Six? Yeah. Hey, that's... Uh, no, two. Uh, more, more, yeah, probably, like, probably, like, 12 or something like that. 12? I mean, yeah. that, that's pretty good. There's a lot of people that don't even get to get one win, and uh, yeah. like I was saying, man, it, it felt like we came back from that, that break, and every other week, you were out there, you were the fastest guy. If you didn't win, it was because somebody got in your way, or you got in a crash, or something like that, but you were you were really tearing it up. How do you feel going into a little 500? There's going to be a lot of cars coming from out of state, a lot of fast cars. Do you think you guys are going to run well? Yeah, I feel confident. You feel confident? That's that's a real good answer. Um, what do you have to do to prepare for an event like this? It's very unique with the qualifying and a couple of different days of racing. Um, how do you prepare for such a crazy event? Um, just drink a lot of water and eat food. That's 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 pretty much what it takes, man. you got to stay hydrated. got to keep the energy up. Um, um, like get tires ready and like get set up ready. Do you get tired throughout the day? Cause uh, I'll tell you, um, for an old guy like myself, when I'm, when I'm up there, as we get later into the night, it gets, it gets harder and harder, man. Do you, do you feel tired when we get to the features or do you feel pumped up and ready to go? Um, I'm like a little tired, but I feel like really pumped up about it. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like for you guys, when you get behind the wheel, it's got to give you all kinds of energy. Am I right? Yeah. Sometimes, like, I forget that we're even, like, actually driving. Like, I'm so focused on it. Yeah, I, I bet you just get behind the wheel and your focus is to just go out there and take the checkered flag, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been racing for, well, let's see, since 2019, so about four years now, four or five years now. Um, what do you want to do when you're done with quarter midgets? Do you have any idea? Um, some, like, big car stuff, like dirt. Probably do, like, I don't know, race at New Smyrna. I don't figure it out yet. Oh, there's a lot of options, man. You got, yeah. you got modified street stocks, late models. You got midgets, uh-huh. uh, sprint cars. What's your favorite kind of car to watch race? I like to, I like to watch sprint cars. It's you really like to watch... Active. You like sprint cars because they're so fast? Yeah. Yeah, those things are wicked, man. You ever been yeah. to, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've been over to Volusia to watch the sprint cars, right? Yes. Awesome. And um, you guys have, uh, you've made it up to Thunder Road before, right? Yes. You like that little place? Yeah. Me too, man. That's one of my, 
That's one of my favorite places. I think that's uh, part of the reason your dad started talking to me is because he found out I watched Thunder Road. So, um, cool little place, man. That'd be awesome for you to drive up there. That's a that's a historic little racetrack. Yeah, that's on the bucket list. On the bucket list. All right, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. We're gonna be up there someday. All right, man. That that'd be something else. I'm sitting back on my couch watching you race a freaking late model up there. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Well. Like I said earlier, we do have the Little 500 coming up this weekend, starting on December the 27th, so right after Christmas. So you get to go have fun Christmas with the family, get all kinds of new things, and then you got to really get to focus in because we got racing on the 27th, 28th, and 29th over there at Little New Smyrna. It is free to come watch, and you'll, you'll get to watch all the great kids race in one of my favorite events. So um, how many classes will you be racing in during Little 500? Four? So you're going to do all four? Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, you're going to be very busy. Um, do you get worn out after three days yeah. of racing four classes? Yeah. I bet. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I get worn out after talking for, for three days. But kind of used to it, doing the World Series, doing nine nights in a row is, is pretty crazy. So um, I'll tell you, man, I, I'm really looking forward to this. It looks like we got about 200-some-odd cars coming out. Do you like racing against more cars or less cars? More cars. More? And why is that? Uh, I feel like if you have more cars, you have more competitions. There you and go. There's all different types of people like that come out, and like it, you just don't know how their skill level is. Does it take a little while to get used to racing against all the different people? Yes, because other people have like different mindsets, so they'll either somebody that like wants to really race and put the dedication into it they probably will get used to it faster than a lot of other people that don't want to. That makes sense because you're used to racing against the people at Little New Smyrna, so you know how all those guys race, but when all the guys come from out of town, guys and gals, um, it, it's probably a little bit different. you got to be a little bit more careful out there. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, racing against a lot of drivers, a lot of cars, if you can get a win out there during Little 500 or Dixie Race, um, you know you're doing something right, and your dad and your team has obviously prepared you good race cars because we've seen how good you were this year. Um, do you think you can go out there and, and win in each class? Um, possibly. Possibly? Well, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you credit for that answer because a lot of people just say yes because they that's just what they want to say. I appreciate your realistic expectations. I feel like you guys have the car to go out there and do it, and uh, obviously if things play out right, I'm sure within <laughs> the, the three days of racing – there's a good chance you might get a win, but either way, um, like I said, and uh, I know a lot of people listening to this uh, probably don't see too much quarter midget racing, but you have been just incredible this year, and um, I really think you're going to do well this week. Yep, I hope so. So while we got you on the line here, I want you, to, if you can remember all the people that help out, all the sponsors, um, go ahead and give everybody a big thank you that helps you out. Um, Mobile Mark. Bullet, Lanco, Palmco Signs and Graphics, <laughs> Palmco Signs and Graphics, Graphics, and Mom and Dad too, right? Yes, that's right, okay. man. It's a it's a big family deal. See, we got to get used to doing all the sponsor stuff, and uh, you did pretty well there. So, give you credit. A lot of my racers at the big track they can't remember half their sponsors. So, you did great, and uh, like I said, you had a great season there at Little New Smyrna. 
Um, do you plan to race quarter midgets until you're 16? Do you, are you going to go until you're 14 and can start racing some of these other tracks? How, how long do you think you're going to race quarter midgets for? I think I'm going to race until I'm about 14. I'm going to try something else, some bigger cars. Well, that's good because you can get a couple more years of experience and then you can start moving up the ranks. And uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully, I'm still around to uh, to see it as long as they keep having me back. I've... Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed getting to watch you guys race. And then when I see a driver move up to the big track, I have such a greater appreciation of where they come from. So um, I just, you know, for what it's worth, I think you guys do a great job out there. It's very entertaining. So anybody listening to this that's not doing anything from the 27th to the 29th, you should come out and uh, check out the uh, the little 500 at Little New Smyrna. You can see Corbin race. Uh, he's probably going to be up towards the front, the bullet chassis ride. And um, I think it's going to be a good time. And Corbin, um, I want to thank you for taking some time and chit-chatting with us a little bit. And um, we wish you the best of luck at the Little 500. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, that was Corbin Merrill, driver of the Bullet Chassis Quarter Midget in four different classes. Um, I can't remember them now because he's racing all over the place. But uh, he's going to be out there from the 27th to the 29th. It is free admission if you want to come check it out. It is a heck of a lot of fun. So once again... Corbin Merrill, we appreciate you calling in, man. Thank you. All right, that is Corbin Merrill, and we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with the rest of the show. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up, or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, Check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for, for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders a couple of years ago. And they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, Make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment. 
better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting, Um, They do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian, get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, let's go ahead and get on into this thing. We have 12 divisions to cover here in our 2023 New Smyrna Speedway recap. And I put all 12 divisions in a bowl and I'm going to draw them out one at a time. Whatever I draw is what we'll cover. So Let's go ahead and get on into it. What's going to be the first division we cover here on our recap here? Let's see. I'm going to reach on in. I'm not looking. I've got our first division here. Let's see what it is. And we're going to start with the 602 Modifieds. The 602 Mods, one of our club classes, if you will. So let me scroll on down. I pulled up the New Smyrna Speedway website, and that's where I'm going to get most of the information here, aside from what I still have stored in my brain. So scrolling all the way down here. Got to keep going here. 602 Modifieds. Um, This is a class that came on a couple of years ago after a successful run at the World Series. Um, God, I remember remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I got word that we were going to run 602s for Speed Weeks. I was actually hanging out with a buddy of mine, Steven. You guys may have heard of him on the show before. 
uh, we were hanging out, playing some pool, having a drink or two, and I get a message, and it's a, hey, yeah, when you get a moment, post, we're going to run 602s during World Series. So we added them, a good car count showed up, and we went racing, and next thing I know, um, we're running the 602s basically every three weeks or so. Um, this group split off from the Ground Pounder division. It started four, five, six years ago now. Um, some of these guys wanted to go in a more, uh, in a different direction, really, uh, with some of the modifieds that they had and get those tour type chassis some use down here in the south. Not many tour type modifieds run. I know there's like a, a southern tour, but it's not really that big. They run the, the tour mods at Bowman Gray. It's about as southern as they get. Um, so to have a tour type modified chassis esque class down here is pretty cool. Um, this division is is more or less at this point a, a club division, and I know that this group is wanting to get more of a regular paid division. That is their goal. That is their vision, um, if not even a touring division. So um, I know right now these guys are fighting. They're, they're trying to get a little bit something, something, a little bit more, and I respect that, and I hope that they're able to get a meeting with the track and maybe discuss something to make this even bigger going forward. I think this was the best year of 602 racing that we've had. Like I said, I know this is a club. Um, it, it's like the Hatton families and a couple other guys, you know, Kelly Jarrett, Tony Pereira, Ricky Moxley, Bud McIntyre, those guys kind of sprinkled in from time to time. But honestly, they, they've come a long way. The first year, they just kind of ran what they had, you know, within the family. They were running some of the old ground pounder cars, just doing what they could to kind of establish it and build it. And this year, they had rules. Everybody was on the same tire, on the same page. And we had some really good races. Um, honestly, between Christopher Hatton, Tom Toronto, Tony Pereira, and Ricky Moxley, when he was able to drive for a little bit, uh, that was really good stuff. And I think with Kelly Jarrett coming on, Late in the season, I think that gives a lot of hope for the 602s going into 2024. Um, I know coming up with the World Series, the 602s, there's already a ton of guys interested, still working out uh, who's going to run tech, what the rules are going to be, what their laps are going to be, what the payout's going to be, all that stuff. But so many people are interested in coming down here. I think the 602 Modifieds have a, uh, a they, they are a staple at this point. And I hope, that with an at least uh, if they don't get to where they want this year, I hope another successful season will really um, put some eyeballs on them and get them the respect that they deserve. Um, I, I know they kind of feel like sometimes they might be the redheaded stepchildren. Uh, in my eyes, they're they're not. It's it's a great class. It's just right now um, they're not where they think they should be. If that makes sense, and I, I mean that with uh, the utmost respect. I, I hold these guys. To a high regard, awesome cars, awesome racers, awesome group of people, and uh, they they deserve uh, the they deserve the best in my opinion. So, with that kind of out of the way, let's go ahead and, and look at the season. I'm gonna view the full point standings here, and the champion for the 602s in 2023 was Christopher Hatton. Uh, these guys ran ten races throughout the regular season. That's quite a bit of races, and uh, Christopher won four of them, and telling you going into the final night we had a great points battle heating up between tom toronto and christopher hatton however tom was unable to make it to the final night and i kept wondering if he was in another car because i wanted to make sure that if we had a, a 
a, a points battle going down to the wire that the right people got the right points. So I remember I kept saying, I'm like, I don't know. They might be one of those other cars, but if they don't tell us, we're not going to know. And then I finally got a message like, hey, he's, he's not here. Uh, he wasn't able to make it. So that kind of that kind of stunk. Um, I think it was like one or two points going into the final race between Christopher Hatton and Tom Toronto. Kind of the two guys that were the, the cream of the crop all season long. And then Tom not able to make it kind of uh, – by default, gave it to Christopher Hatton, but I, I say default, but yet Christopher won four races, made all the features, so Christopher won it outright by 29 points over his father, Chris Hatton, and Chris made all 10 features. Still looking for that win. Um, they rebranded the 04 to the 4 machine, the Monster Machine. Actually, the whole division kind of went through a rebrand about halfway through. Uh, Christopher's in the beautiful Generac scheme. Chris Hatton came out with the 4 Monster Car. Tom Toronto... Um, they got rid of the 11. They turned it into the 69. Kurt Hatton came out with the Frank's Red Hot Budweiser car. Tony Pereira's number seven was looking sharp. John Hatton's 88 was looking great. Um, Ricky Mox, I, I love the Gary Fountain car. Just the simple red, uh, white car with the red number painted by Danny Fry or Dan Fry, I'm sorry. And then Kelly Jarrett's car, iconic from uh, the last couple of years, Ground Pounders. Um, the, the whole division was really looking good. So. They, I think they started to catch the eye of people. Like, well, these guys aren't just racing junk. Like, this is this is good stuff. Um, had plenty of dramatic moments. Uh, I, I remember the one night where Ricky Moxley and Christopher Hatton went went to battle for the win, and they spun out. Um, gosh, I, I I remember Ron Alessandro came out with that beautiful uh, blue 124 machine, and he hit the wall coming off the corner, off off turn four, and then went to turn number one and finish the rest of the car off and hasn't been able to get back. I know he's planning to get back for speed weeks. Um, hopefully we'll see him for the full season here in 2023. Um, yeah. So Christopher Hatton gets the championship in this division. Like I said, his father, Chris came home second, two wins for Tom Toronto. Who knows? He might've been the champion if he was able to make it to the final race, but a great season for Tom. I remember red eye, uh, this was back before they went to more uniform rules for the regular season, but he lapped the entire field at the red eye. And then, like I said, he won two out of nine features this year. Tony Pereira ran eight of the 10 races, finished fifth in the points. He got a victory. Kurt Hatton ran most of the features, was fourth in points. Um, the other winners this year, two wins for John Hatton in the 88. He was the man to beat late. He didn't run all the races, ran about half of them. But the last couple, he was the winner. I think he's got a head of steam going into the red eye when this division will race next. And um, they have registered for the World Series. And I'm very interested to see how they shape up against some of the out-of-towners. Uh, Ricky Moxley also picked up two wins, ran half the season before it. I believe after North Wilkesboro, when they went up there, I believe Gary sold the car. So Ricky um, was not uh, able to compete for the rest of the year. I'm just scrolling down here to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Uh, 16 total drivers in the division. Um, pretty good for a class that, like I said, it's a club class. It's a trophy class. Um, just it, it was solid all, all the way around. They they were averaging about seven to nine cars a week and made for some good racing. So there's nothing, no disappointment there in the 602 modified class. I know it's still trying to catch on. I I hope them the I, I wish them the best I, I hope that they're able to get together with the track and maybe work something out um even if they get, need to get a sponsor to come on board and maybe the track does like what they did at, at speed weeks where they pay 100 bucks a car or something like that um i think any little bit at this point to get these guys just that 
rest of the bit off the ground and they will be good to go. So again, congratulations to Christopher Hatton who won the championship in this class, four victories on the season. Going to run the Tormod and the 602 at the World Series. And most of the regulars have registered for the World Series. I'm very excited to see, like I said earlier, how this group can shape up against uh, a good handful of out-of-towners coming down, at least 15 or so out-of-towners so far, planning to come down to join the rest of our modifieds. And that list seems to grow every single day. So good season there for the 602 modifieds. And they're going to reach back in to our bowl here and see what the next class is that we'll cover on this segment. Let's see. What is it going to be? Bomber A's. Bomber A's, another very interesting pick here. Another interesting one. So let me move up here, find the Bomber A division. Of course, a very controversial new rule for 2023 for the Bomber A's. They kind of set this division scrambling, if you will, a little bit of turmoil for these guys, um, a little bit of uh, social media drama. And I think a big upheaval coming in 2023. This division is going to look completely different from what I understand. So, of course, the big controversy going into this season was the new 24-second breakout rule. Um, a rule I was very much in favor of for, you know, bringing the leveling the playing field. That was the whole idea, um, trying to get these guys to police themselves. Um, however, after a season of it, and the feedback from the drivers being mostly negative, and then feedback from the fans even, fans in the stands, very vocal about the 24-second rule. And, uh, you know, when, when the fans are yelling at you, hey, this is BS when you're walking down to do victory lane, I, you know, I feel like that carries some weight. So, yes, I, I've, I've been very vocal about my support of the, the rule. Because of the purpose of the rule, I'd love to see this division stay an affordable division because uh, that's what it's supposed to be. People don't like entry-level division because some guys make this their home, and there's nothing wrong with that, but this is where most people break into this type of racing on a short track level. Um, so that's why it gets the entry-level moniker and uh, to try to keep the cost down so that the Bob says the world who are sitting in the grandstand and finally one year get a hair up their butt and decide to get a car can continue to do so. So, Again, I've been very supportive of the 24-second rule for its purpose. However, I know it's coming back for this year. I'd like to see some tweaks. I was actually brainstorming earlier, and I was thinking about what could we do to make it, you know, if guys are getting faster throughout the year just because they're getting better at their craft, what's the most fair way to kind of even that out so people can still work on their cars, they can be fast without being penalized every time they're too fast. And I was thinking... What if during the heat races we took the average of the top three finishers and that became the breakout? So, like, let's say, you know, uh, just to use the top three in points, Brandon Monroe, Aaron Foy, and Eddie Evans in heat number one. Um, Brandon runs a 23-8. Eddie runs a 23-9. And Aaron runs a 23-8-9. And you average all, all that together. And that becomes the mark for the feature. So kind of make the heat race kind of um, go all out, do what you can, go, go. you know, you have eight laps to figure it out in the sun and then you'll, you'll average the top three finishers best time together and that becomes the breakout mark. So it's kind of like, okay, you've set the bar and if you cross the line in the feature, 
That's it. So if the average is a 23.888 after the top three finish in the heat, then 23.888 is the breakout mark. Because I think breaking out in the heat race doesn't really do much. I've seen Dustin Higdon and, you know, Charles Friddle and Courtney Breeden start 16th on the grid and be fifth before lap five. So I think the uh, the heat race should be used to set the bar for the breakout and then you run the the breakout in um, in, in the uh, in the feature. I, I don't know. Maybe that's counterintuitive to the purpose of the rule because people are just going to keep making their cars faster. And then maybe you take the uh, the average of the middle of the field and make that the bar. So you know, if fifth, sixth, seventh, it comes it comes across the line. You average that out, and it's a Let's say it's a, I don't know, let's just use the same number, uh, uh, 23.888, then that's the breakout. I, I don't know. I just think maybe, you know, kind of looking at it day by day because sometimes the track's going to be cooler. It's going to have more grip. It's going to have less grip. It's not always the same. And, and I think the 24-second rule came from one qualifying session back in 2022. I don't know that that was enough data to, to set a finite bar. So maybe tweaking it just a little bit and i don't know what the perfect solution is i really don't i'm just literally brainstorming here i'm not even covering the class yet um i just know that with driver feedback and fan feedback it wasn't the most popular rule i think what's going to happen going into 24 is a lot of drivers are going to move to bomber bees and because they feel like they can go do whatever they want then that class is going to get out of control and we're going to see another cycle but that's going to allow others to come into the Bomber A division and rise up. So Joe Racine, Caleb Jones, uh, Lindsey Samian, just looking at a couple names from the list, those could be the drivers battling for the championship and maybe resetting the bar. Maybe the bar then becomes 24-1 and these guys are going as fast as they can and not breaking out. Maybe that's what we need to get this class where those in charge envision it. And I think that's what we're going to see next year. It could be kind of a, I hate to say it, could be kind of a down year for, for cars in the bomber race as it recycles, but it will recycle. And nothing can be worse than the first couple of years of the Strictly Stocks when I started working here, when it was three, four, or five guys, and it was, you know, the same guys that you see dominating the Enduros around town. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I just think... We're going to see a little bit of a recycling next year. We're going to see the changing of the guard, and it could make things very interesting. But in 2023, it was Brandon Monroe who won the championship very controversially. Um, the breakout, it, it really played a role into what happened in the championship. Uh, for a while, it looked like Eddie Evans had the championship on lock. And then two, uh, two races to go he breaks out then there's this battle was he dq'd because he didn't come into pit so he didn't lose all his spots he was ultimately dq'd brandon monroe had a night where he was dq'd because he broke out three times so really both drivers that were in the championship fight going into the last race got bit by the breakout rule and it just it kind of came down to you know the drivers that actually showed up and made an attempt to be there and it all played out a little bit crazily, and Brandon Monroe wins the championship. And I know Eddie's not happy about it because he keeps letting everybody know that he'll be racing at Citrus, which is fine. If you don't like the way something goes down, that's why there's a couple other tracks in the area, and you can go play there. And, you know, if, you, if you're not a fan of the breakout rule, I get it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. 
Um, it's just a shame that, uh, you know, when, when the rules are what they are and then you feel like you got screwed because you, you, you know, you broke some rules. I don't know. Both drivers had it happen to them and it just kind of evened out at the end is if you ask me is what happened. So, um, Brandon Monroe gets the championship here. Didn't win a race. I, I know he got, I feel like he won a, an exhibition race, but he didn't get a, a feature win during the regular season. But uh, he had 671 points. He won the championship over Aaron Foy by 20. Aaron with one win on the season. Um, 20 points, man. Aaron Foy, if that, uh, think about it, that race where the guy flipped in the heat race, upside down on his roof in second. If that hadn't happened, Aaron starts that feature. Aaron Foy probably wins the championship. Uh, he was the bride. He He's the new CJ Creech. He was the bridesmaid all year long. Um, he did get a victory and uh, second in points, so a good season for Aaron. He ran the full Bomber A season and most of the Bomber B season. Um, Eddie Evans did come home third. We talked about Eddie. I think he had a great season. Two wins, uh, even though it only says one on the um, on the thing. We had to, The way my race pass is fickle about double points, nights, and this and that. So um, he did get two wins. It just shows as one on the uh, on the points. So... Got to give credit where credit is due there. Eddie had a great season. I know he's sour about the way it ended, understandably so. Um, yeah, just the, the breakout rule, definitely. It bit everybody in the top five. Larry Masters finished fourth, didn't get a win. This is a crazy stat. Larry Masters, fourth in points, zero top fives, nine top tens in 10 races. That's pretty crazy. Larry got things figured out. He was pretty fast, and then he was bit by the breakout rules several times yet. I got to give him credit for uh, the fact that he kept coming back. So, uh, fifth in points was Dustin Higdon came into the final night with a shot to win the championship, but I guess he went and did something else and didn't run for the championship. Even with numerous breakouts and that rule, definitely not playing to his hands. Dustin Higdon, four wins on the season in nine attempts. So basically half the time he was out there, he ended up in victory lane one way or another. So an impressive season again for arguably one of the most impressive bomber drivers there is right now. Uh, Courtney Breeden, sixth in points, got her first career win in eight starts. So a good season there for Courtney. Lindsey Samian wins the Rookie of the Year. Uh, ran eight of the ten races. Two top fives. Broke out a couple of times, so Lindsey got things figured out. Um, defending champion C.J. Creech ran most of the races this year. Towards the end of the year, he kind of backed off a little bit, but he still finished eighth in points. Runner-up in the rookie standings was Joe Racine, making seven of the ten features. Uh, unfortunately for Joe, blew a motor during World Series, so I'm not sure. I'm sorry, Governor's Cup, so I'm not sure when and if he'll be back. Hopefully he is. Charles Friddle was 10th in points uh, despite some hard crashes throughout the season. Um, he kept he kept keeping on and uh, rounding out the top 10 in our points. Looking at uh, a little bit further down the score uh, scoreboard here, a couple notables. Brandon Gaither in four starts collected two victories, so... I remember the first time he thought he won and had it taken away because he broke out on the final lap and he was not happy about it, but redeemed himself with two strong runs, two wins, um, three top fives, three top tens, and four starts. Uh, that gets him, for, for half a season, 14th in points, not bad. Um, let's see, we had a total of 29 drivers in the Bomber class, a little bit down. I think the, uh, again, I think it's going to take a couple of years, a year or two, for the breakout rule to really kind of cycle through and kind of change the, what, how do I say this? 
kind of change the norm of the division. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to see a passing of the guard. We're going to see, you know, I know Brandon Monroe is going to move to B's. Aaron Foy, I'm not sure what his focus is going to be next year. Eddie, I believe, is going to be at Citrus. Um, hopefully we see him back. Um, if not, hey, I, I get it. Larry Masters, not sure what his plan is. Dustin Hayden will probably bounce around, do a bunch of different stuff. Uh, Courtney will probably be back. Uh, Joe Racine would love to be back. I think Charles Frittle will be back. And like I said, we're going to see some of these guys down here towards the bottom that maybe didn't race as much start to be the next crop. And it's going to be interesting. So we'll see what happens. Again, I would like to see some tweaks to the breakout rule. I, I think it's an interesting caveat. I think it has a place. I just think it needs a little tweaking. And yeah, I think, you know, if, if it stays the same for uh, 24, then we'll have two years of data to look at and we'll see how things go. And then if there are changes that the track teams need to be made, then they'll make them. So, yeah, very interesting and chaotic Bomber A season. The, the one thing I will say, as I'm going to reach in here and pick our next division, closing thoughts here on the Bomber A's. The one thing I can say, uh, other than the big flip and a couple of guys, you know, there was the Uniel Diaz, Leroy Crawford crash. Um, other than a couple of dust-ups, they didn't wreck as much because they were, like, focused so much on their lap times they weren't overdriving and trying to kill themselves every lap. So, I don't know. There, if you want to try to find a silver lining, I guess that's it. So, let's pick another division here, and then we'll take our commercial break here. So, next class, to recap on our season review, is going to be the Pro Late Models. So, we're going to finish off with one of the six-pack series here. So let me get over to the point standings. So again, the Pro Late Models went to the six-pack series that was tried out with the Super Late Models the year before. And I think it was pretty successful. Uh, the Pro Late Models have been a solid division for the last few years. Um, if you look at the other tracks that have started to run Pro Lates, uh, namely Auburndale, um, you know, there's a handful of cars in the state. There's maybe 15 or so locally. And Auburndale gets about five to six. And we were getting, you know, shark bite. We had 17, 18. The worst we had was about nine. So it, it was okay. I think the six-pack series is the way to go for your late models, your, your pro-lates, super-lates, modifieds, um, so that they get to run the bigger races that they're accustomed to. And it's like a more is less approach. And I mean that in a good way. There's less races, so there's less expense. Yes, it costs a lot of money to come run a 100-lap race, but you're not coming out running 35 laps every other week for, you know, seemingly for nothing. So, I, I like I said, I really like the six-pack series. We had solid car counts. Um, Would have been a little bit better. We did have some big wrecks halfway through the year that kind of trimmed the field. But it was a very interesting six-pack series because when – the schedules lined up well. We got some of the bigger names to come down and compete, yet our locals still took down the top five in points, and that's what I like to see. So uh, winning the championship with two victories on the year, of course, was Brad May. Um, he only made five of the six starts. He did not start the race during the World Series, and he played from behind most of the season, but he was able to outlast his competition and won the championship still by 55 points over Ruben Caceres. And if Ruben just had a little bit of luck, if he had just had a few things go his way, he had a couple of bad nights that really put him behind the eight ball, Ruben could have won the championship. But Brad was able to outlast them. Obviously, when you win two races out of a six-race series, it's a third of the races. So um, Brad just 
that team, man, they are kings of the speedway. And Brad kind of made it look easy when the team was on. So two wins, four top fives, five top tens in five races for Brad. Ruben Caceres, as I mentioned, um, winning rookie of the year and finishing second in points. His stats were two top fives, four top tens, and the only driver to run all six races. So that definitely deserves some credit there for Ruben and team. It was a pretty good season. Got caught up, just got caught up in a few things. If, if he can eliminate some of those mistakes in 24, he could capitalize. However, World Series will not count as a championship race for the six-pack series. We're going to have those, uh, you know, five of the six races will happen during the regular season, and the championship race will be at Governor's Cup in 24. So I think that'll play into the local team's hands a little bit more. Um, looking down the list here, Colby Clements comes home third in the championship standing, 79 points behind had a top five, four top tens in a five start. Steve Reddit was also in the top five here. Another solid season for him as he continues to improve. One top five and three top tens in five starts for Steven Reddit. And rounding out the top five, only making four of the six races after crashing in red-eye practice. This put Blake Suddy behind the eight ball for the first couple of races of the season. But he came out strong late in the year. Found some speed and still working on the handle of car number 10. Uh, but fifth in points, not bad. Uh, top five and four top tens in his four feature events. So not a bad season for Blake, despite having to sh- sit out the uh, first third of it. Uh, Tim Sozio, sixth in points, only made three starts. Dawson Sutton was seventh. Eighth in points was Gavin Bushell. He picked up a win during the Prolate Model Race at the Florida Governor's Cup, which went wire to wire, clean and green. Uh, the other winners this year include Carson Brown, who won for Anthony Campy Racing, made two starts, one of the World Series, and then a one-off start for Anthony Campy later in the year, and he finished 10th in points. And the other win went to Anthony Cataldi in the nine, who got the penultimate victory of the year. Uh, he, he won the race leading up to Governor's Cup and uh, thought he'd be a contender at Governor's Cup, however, uh, just a little bit off that night. Good to see Anthony Cataldi back on the high banks of New Smyrna. He's teamed up with the Jet Motorsports guys, and I hope that means we see more of him in 24. I'd like to see that team with Anthony take a run at the uh, at the World Series, but we will see what happens. Some other impressive drivers that we saw throughout the year included uh, Jason Vale, who, man, for a while thought maybe he was going to win the Governor's Cup Prelude race, um, but had to settle for runner-up. Hudson Bolger in the 17. He's got Chris Delbeck helping out. Uh, I expect good things out of Hudson in 24. Mike Maclier made four of the six races after destroying his ride during the Shark Bite. Um, that Shark Bite 100 was was a great race. However, we did lose some locals to that big wreck. Um, some other notables here. Kenny Kreitz, another one of those collected in the big wreck, so only was able to make two starts. Mike Amato collected in that wreck. He made three of the six races. I know Mike's got another car they're working on trying to get back out there. So hopefully we'll see Mike uh, in 24. He finished 20th in points this year, but he's one of the locals. So I would expect if he can keep the car in one piece, maybe top five next year for Mike, just, you know, because he's if he's going to be there, he should have a good season. I would expect we see more drivers able to make at least five or, you know, four or five of the races next year. Uh, Dalton Smith made a couple of starts this year. And uh, a lot of drivers down here towards the bottom of the list. I'm, I'm scrolling all the way through. Some 52 drivers in the Prolate model points. And a lot of those drivers were from World Series. Because like I said, that uh, that last 100 lapper for the World Series counted for the six-pack series. So 
Again, that's not going to happen next year. So we'll maybe see a few less names on the list here, but we'll see maybe, you know, some more competitive stuff. Six races, man, if you can find sponsorship for six races, again, go buy the sponsorship seminar or the sponsorship manual and figure out some ways to get yourself sponsored. That's what I think the six-pack series has going for it. Six race commitment versus, and this is where you're going to save on the tires. You got to get tires for six races now. Back in the day, it was, you know, you'd have nine or 10 races sprinkled throughout the year and they were 35 laps. You're going to use a set of tires in 35 laps, just like you are in a hundred lappers. So I think condensing things a little bit, a little bit longer races, a little more marquee for you. And, um, a little bit better payout. I, look, I know it's it's tough, man. It's tough on both sides. So um, really uh, looking forward to the Hoosier Pro Late Model Challenge Series next year. The The first year of it, in my opinion, was a success. Um, if you look at the Sunbelt Series back from 22, that was tough. But it rebounded in 23. And, of course, we will talk about the Super Lates here when we draw the name out of the bowl. Um, so, again, Brad May, your champion for the Pro Lates. Uh, overall, a solid season. And I'm looking forward to the next six-pack challenge series here. The Hoosier Tire Prolate Model Challenge Series will be back for 24. Speaking of coming back, I hope you will come back after the commercial break. We're going to take a, a quick break here, and then we'll cover another three divisions on our season review. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand-new sponsor, because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the sponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99, and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar, and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard to find sponsors and you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come once again that is the sponsorship seminar with jr longley we invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer you can click through you can watch the little preview video and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access so you can watch it once you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours you can watch it by yourself and then, like i said invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time jr has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time once again that is the sponsorship seminar.com we would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, 
they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto, or of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires done there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they are located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 E-Mod slash A-Mod, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, Make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Auburdale and the big track over at the new Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open um, just message us here on the Racing with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934 and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, welcome back to our 2023 Division by Division recap of the New Smyrna Speedway season. Let's reach on into our bowl and see what the next division we are going to be talking about is. Drumroll, please. We have the E-Mods. Great division. Let's go check that out. 
Emod's kind of um, a resurgence towards the end of the season, if I remember correctly, because things got started off in a big way at the red eye. I think there was 12 or 13 cars, and we destroyed about half of them. So it was kind of a um, <clears throat> a battle for the rest of the year. There were a couple of nights. They, they did get 10 features in um, during the regular season. There was a couple of nights where things just were a little dismal, but it really started to come back together. So... Again, uh, 10 features, only one driver was able to make them all, and it was the driver who had the biggest, uh, one of the biggest crashes of the year, definitely the crash of the year for Dylan LeBeau at the Red Eye, but he was able to capitalize and pick up three wins on the season, won the championship by 76 points, which is, uh, if you're keeping track at home, over a full race on Jarrett Corpy. So again, um, if you miss a race, you're giving up at least 75 points, so it can be very tough to battle back from that. Um, I I wish some of our championship battles were more compelling. Actually, some of the most compelling championship battles we've already talked about. But, uh, you know, if uh, Jarrett hadn't missed a race, if Curtis Robinson hadn't missed a race, it might have been a little bit closer. But uh, things still ended up pretty good. Uh, like, like I said, uh, a- after the red eye, it was kind of slow going at the start of the season. They'd have maybe five, six, seven, eight cars. Then I got back into the eight, nine, 10 car range. And then we we're up to 11, 12, as we did have some new cars, uh, come back out. We did have some drop off throughout the season, but, um, it, it was a good year for the E-Mods. This division has really come, come on strong. I remember when it came back, I, I questioned it, but what I've learned in, again, I've only, I feel like I've been doing this forever. I've only been doing it for seven, eight years. And, uh, I definitely still learn things and I understand things definitely take time. And that's why, you know, I'm going to be patient with the breakout rule. Like we talked about, um, sometimes things take time to build back up. The bomber bees took time to get where they're at. The emods took time to get where they're at. The sunbelt series took some time to get back established. So, um, I, I'm I'm encouraged. I like that other tracks have started running a similar series, a similar type of division. The A mods over at Showtime, the A mods over at um, Auburndale, great classes. Like I love watching this type of car. I love the chassis. I love the open wheels. I love how every car is a little bit something different about it. I love it. You know when the drivers, the crews, whoever's working on it can add their special touch to the way the car looks. Uh, I love late model racing, but, you know, they're template cars. They all have to look the same. Uh, the Bombers, they all look like the car they're supposed to look like. These E-Mods, they all look a little bit different. you got a few older chassis out there. you got some newer. Um, I'm really excited for the E-Mods here coming up in 2024. Again, their first race will be that Family Fun Night. They'll be one of the highlights of Family Fun Night, in my opinion, along with the Superstock, Spectator Racing, and all that. Um but yeah, Dylan LeBeau had a great season, won three of the 10 races. Uh, he had some good competition, though. It wasn't just the Dylan LeBeau show. Um, between uh, Jarrett Corpy and Jeffrey White, Eugene Tuminello towards the end of the year, Curtis Robinson, and some of those guys, you had four or five guys, you know, if they showed up, that could have won a race. And uh, a number of them did. So let's take a look down at the standings here. Uh, like I said, Dylan LeBeau with a win. He Here's the... the the fantastic stat for Dylan LeBeau. The consistency was there. I know he won because he was the only one to make all the races, but if you look at his consistency, I believe he's going to win the championship anyway. You, know, you can argue Jarrett Corpy, but we'll, let's look at things here. LeBeau with three wins, 
five top ten, um, sorry, ten top fives, ten top tens out of the ten features. So he never finished worse. He never finished out of the top five. That's pretty amazing given the competition that uh, came and went throughout the season. Jarrett Corpy, though, second in points with two wins, nine top fives, nine top tens. So he comes to that other race, you know, you you can look at it and say, well, he was 76 behind, so even if he wins, you know, he's not going to get there. He could have because it could have shoved Dylan LeBeau down a spot. The heat race could have mattered. It could have been real close between Jarrett Corpy and Dylan LeBeau. Those were definitely the two fastest cars uh, week in and week out if Jeffrey White wasn't there. Um, Curtis Robinson, third in points. He missed a race, but he got his first ever win this year. as the first regular season race of the year, and they kind of chased that high the rest of the year. Uh, but Curtis has come a long way since when he came out with that old black car race with the Modifieds. He's got the Hedgeneckers helping out. Rainey's helping him out. And uh, he's a contender now. They they missed it. You know, Kurt's one of those guys where um, they, they're hit or miss, but he had a great season. One win, first career win. Uh, seven top fives, nine top tens. So it was a good year there for Kurt. Our leading rookie was Jay Wooldridge. Um, Jay had one of the most impressive streaks of the season, and I, I can talk. To, I can talk about this because he would come up to me in the bar and say, "Hey, I kept my streak alive." I think he's. I think he spun out in like the first seven or eight races of the year, and um, then he got to the end of the year and stopped spinning out. So he, he figured it out, man. Jay had a good year. Um, four top fives. It's nothing to look down upon in nine top 10. So a good year for Jay fourth in points wins rookie of the year. Dale Howard going to round out our top five in points. Long time super stock competitor. Hadn't seen him run for a while. Then he bought the Ray Schaefer 23, turned it into the 63, ran six of the 10 races. So a little more than half the season and uh, came home fifth in the points. His stats, uh, four top fives and six top tens. Dale was starting to get it figured out. He had some speed in that car. It just didn't quite have the long run speed that you need to be consistent here at New Smyrna. Uh, But a good season for Dale. I hope he continues in 2024, and I'd like to see more to the 63. Uh, David LeBeau was sixth in points. Jeffrey White, seventh in points. He won two races out of the three starts that he made. So, again, uh, a misleading seventh in points. Could have been a championship contender, but decided to do other things. Um, you know, had some kids this year, things like that. So his plans have changed. I uh, might see him in the truck ranks a little more often. You never know. Uh, Greg Dame, uh, despite running the first three races and then stopping, still finished eighth in the points. He got married this year. So it, again, priority sometimes takes um, takes a more important role than racing every weekend. So, But hey, still finished eighth in points. Matt Jarrett, ninth. Um, but the reason I'm looking down at the top 10 and going down even further is because we have some guys that, um, surprisingly got some wins like Hank Baker uh, definitely one of the coolest stories of the year seeing Hank Baker win that race he had fast race cars man he, he didn't run all the events he was I think he was in the pits for like six or seven of the ten races but only made two features he just had things go on they, he'd run well in the heat then something would go wrong and he wouldn't start the feature or something would go wrong in practice and he wouldn't even make a heat race so um, Hank's stats a little misleading, but he did get get a victory, showed speed, and I hope he can parlay that into some good runs. I know he has signed up to uh, run the EMOD race at the Family Fun Night as well. Some other notables here, Eugene Tuminello, 12th in the points, only made two starts, but he got a victory and uh, had a hell of a battle with Dylan LeBeau towards the end of the year. I remember uh, uh, he had Dylan on his back bumper. The clutch ended up slipping when Dylan got into him and kind of took him out of that first race when it looked like he was going to get a win, but um, Eugene, 12th in the points, again, misleading. He, he got in the Jeffrey White machine after Jeffrey White got out of it. 
so for half the season, that car wasn't there. But for the other half, for the five races that car was in attendance, they won three of them. So pretty impressive when you kind of look at it like that. That's a, a great piece. Two different drivers behind the wheel. Both great hot shoes. And uh, that's how you can tell it's a, it's a good car. When two different people can hop in there and uh, run impressively. So a total of 18, 19 drivers in the point standings. Um, Dylan Williams in the sharp number 32. He had a win taken away in tech um, because he didn't go to tech or something like that. Uh, Williams, I, I don't know what the MO for that team was this year. They they ran a couple of times and didn't have much to show for it. And uh, like I said, they got to victory lane, but had it taken away. So I'm hoping that that means they're gearing up for bigger and better things here in 2024. I, I think going into the season, we're going to have four or five really competitive teams. It's just a matter of who's going to show up every week. I, I'm kind of, uh, as much as I love points racing, I kind of get it. Like, People just go race when and where they want to, and the points just kind of fall where they're going to fall. So I hope we can get – ideally, I'd love to see four or five guys duking it out for the championship every year in every class. Um, but that's, you know, a fever dream. Um, I, I'm just – in 24, man, I'm just going to go to the racetrack and enjoy the fact that I get to call some races. So um, championship battles aside, if they get good, they get good. If they're not good, we'll just enjoy each individual race. That's what most people are caring about when they buy their ticket anyways. But you know, championship battle, championship drama, stories, it all kind of, um, it, it, it helps each week, uh, sell some tickets and then this and that, but, um, it's fun to look back and see how the year did play out when you're looking at the standings as a whole. So congratulations to Dylan LeBeau, two-time E-Mod champions. So let's move on now to our next division. going to reach in here and pull out our next class. And it is, dun, 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 dun. The Ground Pounders, the Florida Southern Ground Pounder Division, another one of our club classes. So let me scroll down to uh, their listings here. And again, I'm using the uh, New Smyrna website here with the point standings, just kind of going through what everything is on here and kind of recalling the season that was. Ground Pounders, um, much like the 602 class, a club division. Um, this started four or five years ago now where – Toby Smith and the Ground Pounder guys, the vintage guys. A lot of these guys we would see at the Modified Reunion in the uh, kind of the vintage exhibition before the Richie Evans every year, and that kind of grew. And uh, Toby came to the track and said, hey, can we have a place to, to race our cars? You know, there's Dara out there. There's this and that. And, of course, with everything good, it always splits up at some point. And um, they came to us and asked for a place to race, and by God, we gave it to them. And, um, you know, they've – had some ebbs and flows a couple of years ago. They were getting like 15 to 18 cars a night, which kind of led to some chaos, um, which, you know, chaos isn't always a bad thing. Uh, but they've, they've gotten it, uh, they've gotten things back together. The kind of a, a tough couple of races throughout the middle portion of the season. Um, but again, if you think about it, vintage race cars, uh, guys running for free, a lot of, and I mean, this with all due respect, a lot of older gentlemen, um, kind of, done with the serious racing years in the twilight of their careers. Uh, and that's not a bad thing either. I'd rather you keep racing in some capacity. And this is the perfect place to do it. Show off a badass car that means a lot to you, that means a lot to the racing world, and um, really give the fans something unique to look at when they're in the pits. Even if there's only, you know, if there's a night where there's only six or seven of these things and half of them are petering out, it's fine. I mean, not every day you get to look at a 57 Chevy or an old, you know, Ruggiero modified, or an old um, 
Richie Evans throwback car, and I can go on and on. Uh, these things are cool, and we've seen some great cars throughout the year. I, I, we saw some awesome machines come out, and we saw some pretty spectacular wrecks. I remember uh, the the wreck of the year for this class was Lewis Brasher spinning out and collecting uh, John Hatton, who was in the 12 at the time, and just destroyed both cars. And Lewis came back out, and I don't know, I heard something like he and Colin Smith Got into it on the racetrack, and Lewis felt bad, and he left. I I, I don't know. I heard something. I, I don't know. I just I, I hope that uh, the kind of late-season resurgence that we saw the Ground Pounders continues. I think they're going to be great um, during the World Series. I think they're on for family fun night. So we'll see them a couple times before the regular season starts, which is a good thing. Um, this season, though, was dominated by Art Koonsman. Art won five of the seven features. These guys were victims of quite a few rainouts, if I remember correctly. Uh, but Art Koonsman had the dominant car. Uh, he kind of bounced between the villain and the possum. I kind of love that all these cars are getting nicknames now. It's kind of fun. Um, but Art Koonsman had a great year. Five wins, six top fives, seven top tens, and seven races. Won the championship by 22 over Toby Smith. Uh, Toby struggled a bit this year. Did get a victory. And uh, five top fives, seven top tens, 22 points behind Art. But you got to understand that Toby is, he's kind of the, the ringleader of all this. He's the man that makes all this happen. He works on a lot of these cars. He's responsible for keeping a lot of them running. If it wasn't for Toby, you know, there wouldn't, there, these things would not be doing as, as good as they are. Uh, they wouldn't be running as good as they are. They wouldn't be uh, sustaining themselves. And there'd be nobody to fix them either when they crashed out or, or had mechanical problems. So Toby gets a lot of credit in my book. And, um, I just think it's cool that we have such a unique division that, uh, you know, some people might turn their nose up, uh, just a bunch of junkers. Look, I've seen vintage racing before where you're not allowed to pass, you're not allowed to go faster than this. You know, they do have an interesting rule with the start, and that that's uh, that totally makes sense. Let's not wreck all these things in turn one. Let's at least wait till turn three, um, you know, get the fans a little something. <laughs> but no, it's such a unique class, and they do a great job with what they have, and Again, another class, it's, it's a trophy class. Um, they don't ask to be paid. They came to the track looking for a place to race, and uh, that's that's the deal. And they just go out and uh, do their thing. So um, Scott Phobes finished third in the point standings, four top fives and seven top tens. He was one of only three drivers to make all the features. Scott Cutter, he was there every week. <clears throat> finished fourth in the points, six top fives. Six top tens, uh, missed a feature. I think he crashed out in a heat race at, at one point, and that's what uh, sidelined him a little bit. Fifth in points this year was Eddie Freeman. Two top fives, three top tens, and three features. So, um, again, seven features during the regular season. Five wins for Art, one win for Toby. So, who else got a victory? Let's scroll down. Christopher Hatton came out one night in the 61 and picked up a win. And that's who our, six, or our seventh winner you know, seventh feature win. That's where that comes from. Um, rounding out the top 10, let's go through the rest of the top 10 in points here. Um, sixth was Jody Modini, made three starts. Hank Sanders was seventh, only made two starts. Lewis Brashers, you know, we talked about him. He got in that big wreck. He made two starts this year. So did Christopher Hatton. And rounding out the top 10, Ron D'Alessandro on the X9, a couple of top 10 finishes. Um, man, Ron had a couple of wins slip away. And it's unfortunate that uh, that happened. Um, but he's going to be in the X9. I think uh, he and Ed Nash are going to kind of make a run at a uh, championship this year, perhaps. Uh, kind of Ron's going to try to go out in style and at least get a couple of wins. I'm sure we'll be talking to Ron in victory lane. He actually tied Colin Smith in points. Um, 
which is peculiar. Uh, Colin Smith only made one feature start, but I think he ran a couple of heat races. Colin Smith had a miserable year. Uh, just a lot of mechanical issues. Um, still working on getting his feet wet. Um, he was 11th in points. That's kind of a, a surprise there. Uh, Ron Alessandro gets the nod of the top 10 for making more features, though. Uh, some other notables, Billy Bellflower ran a couple of races. Greg Newman was here. The father of Ryan Newman ran a race with the Ground Pounders. How cool is that? Um, yeah, Jim Sebley, Ed, Ed Nash, Greg Dan, they made a couple of starts. So 18 total drivers throughout the year. Not bad for a vintage division. Again, uh, modest car counts this year, uh, averaging between, let's say, 7 and 9. And, uh, you know, maybe down from the, the 18 car days of old, but... Um, you got to think a lot of these uh, guys that run the 602 mods kind of started in ground pounders, split off, and kind of went that direction. So, uh, like I said, a lot of things grow, and then they split. Then they grow, and then they split. So, um, I think a, a good year coming up for the ground pounders should be a good kind of uh, bounce back season for them. But congratulations to Art, and uh, shout out. He's not on this list here because the Governor's Cup race didn't count for points, but shout out to Brian Bala, who got a win. Um, talked to Brian a little bit um, right before Thanksgiving. And I haven't, I don't, I haven't talked to him since then. Um, he caught me at a bad time as I was traveling on the road. I never got a chance to respond back, but, uh, um, I don't know if it's for publication or not, but Brian's got some plans for next year. I think he caught the racing bug. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, congratulations to art. Uh, art's got maybe the coolest ground pounder with, with the possum. It doesn't run it as much anymore. It's having some problems, but, uh, yeah, that car's badass. So let's see what's going to be our next division that we talk about here in our 2023 season recap at New Smyrna before we take another commercial break. What's it going to be? The Sportsman. Yeah, this was a fun class. I love the Sportsman division. Let's go find the Sportsman in the New Smyrna point standings. This is how you know it's not set up because I'm literally pulling out of the bin and then having to find it. So this makes for great, great air. So Sportsman in 2023. Um, didn't get to race these guys as much as we hoped. Uh, I think they're, you know, th this is a class that's turning into kind of like an outlaw style limited late model class, if you will. And I, I, God, I love the way the sportsmen look. I love the outlaw bodies. I love the engineering that goes into the bodies. Like, like just like the E-Mods, the modified and stuff like that, mod minis. I love the craftsmanship that goes into this class. Um, you know, the idea of the sportsman, kind of a blue-collar class. It's turning more into a white-collar class these days, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, very competitive rules package with the with the Sportsman series that we follow. Um, I, I wish we could get them a few more races. They're getting a little expensive to run. You've got the the SRL guys kind of doing, doing that thing. Um, I would love to get at least one SRL Sportsman race here. If uh, some people could put some differences aside and we could work something out, I'd love to see that happen someday. Um, another fever dream of mine, maybe. Because if you guys know me, I, I really I enjoy sports and, sports and racing. I enjoy series. I enjoy tours. Um, I just don't enjoy some of the drama that uh, that goes in between. But nonetheless, uh, only got five sportsman features in. I think they got they got rained out like three or four times this year. They got rained out at, uh, at the Governor's Cup, and they'll be on the schedule for Red Eye. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But in my opinion, even though we didn't get as many races as we hope, we got a great championship battle, and that is what I take away. Danny Fry in the 12 led the championship for much of the season. It looked like it was going to be his year. This is the first time Danny's ever run, quote-unquote, for points. He's he's always kind of been, I'll be there if I can be there kind of driver. 
And uh, the last couple of years, he's gotten very competitive. He's picked up some wins. Um, didn't get a points win this year, but still ran pretty good. And uh, well, obviously he ran pretty good. It was in championship contention. It all came down to the last night. Uh, very intense race there to end the championship. However, he would lose out to the youngster, Travis Devendorf. I mean, this kid, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, he used to go up on the tower and talk Tom's ear off as he was up there filming for Speedway Video. And I, I mean that in a good way. He was very eager and a uh, big race fan, which is what you want in a driver. Um, if you're not a fan of doing it, you're never going to succeed. And I remember him telling Tom, oh, yeah, I'm going to be out there someday. And Tom was just kind of like, this kid who comes up and talks to me, don't know who he is. Ain't no way in hell, yet here he is winning a sportsman championship. So it's just kind of funny how kids, man, they they grow up so fast. Believe me, I have a, I have a toddler every day. They learn a new word. They grow an inch. It's crazy. Um, but kids, even at you know, 12, 13, by the time they hit 14, 15, they're like completely different people. And Travis Devendorf uh, obviously has the talent and could go far. It just uh, depends on where he wants to go. I know he's in school and stuff, and he has other priorities at times. Um, but they were able to to make the long trip up here and get to all five races and have a stout season, winning two races and the championship. Travis Devendorf, if his breakout season wasn't in 2022, I guess you'd argue it was definitely in 2023. Again, out of the five races, two wins, four top fives, and four top ten. So he had a race where he finished out of the top ten in just five races and won the championship. Um, real quick, is before I go through the rest of the points here, a lot of people are saying, well, maybe the sportsmen need a six-pack series at New Smyrna. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Well, let me know what you think. Uh, definitely would like to maybe make them all 50 lappers. I don't know. Um, obviously, not everybody can get six-pack series or else you know, we'd have like two races a night. You got to have uh, enough local classes, if you will, to kind of – you have a six-pack series as the top bill, and then you – you fill it in uh, with your your local weekend warriors, so not every class can uh, can go that route. But maybe something to think about. I I just think we got to keep this class around. This this is one of the the classes that uh, that hooked me when I was a fan. I, the, between the super stocks, prolate sportsmen, just in the the few races I saw modified and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, this place is awesome. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, again, Travis Devendorf wins the championship. It came down to the last race. He won it by just six points. It's only three positions on the racetrack, so that's how close it was. Again, less races, better championship battle, a lot of drama, good stuff. Uh, finishing third in points, making his return to New Smyrna this year, only running four of the five races, but he uh, he came back at the time when it counted, when we actually were getting some races in. Steve Barnes, former champion, finishes third in points. Um, had a win kind of slip away uh in the middle of the season, thought he was going to get it. Late race restart did not go his way, but two top fives, four top tens in four starts for Steve. George Alexander was fourth in points. He was like second or third in points for a while. Then he missed the last race and fell to fourth. Um, zero top fives showed some speed there towards the end of the year. And then just didn't have much to show for it. Two top tens for George, but fourth in points. And then Matthew green rounding out the top five, um, Let's see, he got one win, three top fives, three top tens in four starts. So, controversial as always, Matthew Green still in the top five in points at New Smyrna. Russ Moore, good season for Russ. He made all the races, battled some adversity, another driver. He's got some help from Randy Hetznecker and those guys, keeping him on track. Um, Russ finishes uh, sixth in the points. He made all five starts, two top tens. So, not a bad uh, kind of rebound year. He tried to come back last year, got involved in a big wreck, and it's good to have him back. 
Ron Whaley, seventh in points, made three starts and blew up. So the champion from 2022 was not able to defend his crown. Hopefully he can get a new power plan that thing, and we'll see him back. Don Keithley, eighth in the points. He got one top five, three top tens in his three starts. Dylan LeBeau made the jump over to Sportsman, and it looks like uh, the team might be running more Sportsman races here this year. He finishes ninth in the point standings with two top tens and three uh, I'm sorry, two top 10s out of three features. Timmy Todd was able to round out the top 10 in the point standings. So, again, we've only covered, we had five races, two wins for Devendorf, and one win for Green. Let's go find where the other two wins came from. Tyler Schofield got one of those victories in the 0-7 car, finishing 11th in the points. And then the other victory went to Jimmy Frazier in the six. I uh, Feast or famine year for Jimmy. He won a race uh, in spectacular fashion, his first start of the season, and then second start of the season, he took that hard hit on a restart. Um, definitely one of the bigger wrecks of the year for the sportsman was that restart crash in the 50. A couple guys kind of spun the tires, went to the fence, and uh, poor Jimmy Frazier got KO'd by Chris Huntoon. That was a scary moment. Glad everybody was okay with that. Uh, with not, Nobody was okay with that. I'm glad everybody was okay after that, we we had a, a big group of sportsman drivers scrolling all the way down here. 35 drivers made at least one start this year. Um, the cars are definitely there. Um, getting everybody together on at the same time was, was the tough thing. I think next year you're going to have six, seven regulars. I think Tyler Simpson's going to make some more starts. I think you're Russ Moore's. Uh, you know, your normal guys, hopefully James McKaig will be back. Um, hopefully we'll see the Boyd car out there more. That car's fast. Um, there's plenty of cars out there. It's just a matter of getting them. Some nights we'd have a, a good field, 16, 17 cars. Some nights we'd have eight, nine. Um, you know, the, the sportsman division, they've kind of risen and fallen and risen and fallen. And um, But it, it doesn't matter, man. Anytime the sportsmen are there, the race always seems to be good, whether it's a big field of of 12 to 15 cars or it's a shorter field of seven or eight they put on a good show so um always excited when the sportsmen are there and congratulations again to travis devendorf for winning the championship so looking in my bucket here we've got six divisions left to cover and we will cover those divisions on part number two of the 2023 new smyrna speedway recap so hope you guys enjoyed this uh this first installment and again, going to cut this up into two different shows so that you guys have a little bit of content here throughout the offseason and the holidays. So come on back here next week. We will continue to reach through our uh, our bucket here and see what we're going to talk about next week. But we know, we're, we know what divisions we're going to talk about. We just don't know what order they're going to be in. So come on back next week, and we'll finish this thing off. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you as always. With that said, take care and vroom, vroom on.